as we open these scriptures today, I want to again remind us that when using our human intellect and logic alone, most all of these words that we read all through the Bible are mysterious and they're incomprehensible. And especially as we deal with these prophecies that are given here in the book of Revelation. And every time we would open this scripture, it should always be our prayer that the Holy Spirit would fill our hearts and our minds to enable us to have the light to correctly understand these words because they are not easy at all to understand. And too many people are trying to decipher these prophecies through their logic. And logic simply does not work, and especially in this book of Revelation. And then also because these particular prophecies here in the book of Revelation are not in what would be called an easy-to-follow chronological order, some of the same events taking place in different chapters all coming back to a particular point in time, we need to keep reminding ourselves of an order that God has brought into these events of the last days. Chapter 6 of this book of Revelation is a kind of overall framework that I keep referring back to, and I want to do that today, and I want to give each of these steps of chapter 6 to us today because they seem to have a framework of order for all that's going to take place during the tribulation time. And I'm going to read those words of chapter 6. I'd like you to go ahead and turn there if you will. But I'd like to reset the stage where chapter 6 begins. And it is that in chapter 5, God the Father, there on the throne, was holding forth this scroll. A scroll that had seven seals. And those seals held back the plan for all of the things that will take place as the final end of the earth is brought to a close. And Jesus, the only one in heaven and earth who had the power and the authority to break those seals open, had just taken this scroll from God the Father's hand. And here in chapter 6, he begins to open each of those seals to reveal what's going to take place. And I want us to note carefully that we have no doubt from these words about the authority and the plan and who is carrying it out. Because God the Father is going to use powerful angels. He'll use good angels. He'll use very evil demonic angels all through this book of Revelation. He'll use men against men. He'll use nation against nation, waging war against each other. But these words are clear for us to understand. Every minute detail of this retribution is being carefully orchestrated and carried out by the Lord Jesus Himself. You and I need to always remember that because too many people want to insert their logic and tell us that end of the earth is going to come through other sources. Let me read these words for us. And this is quite a long read, so listen carefully. This is chapter 6. 
Verse 1, Then I, John, saw when the Lamb, that's the Lord Jesus, broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, As with a voice of thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another. And a great sword was given to him. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. And I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the Word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true? Will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe. And they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as as they had been would be completed also. I looked when he broke the sixth seal. And there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? A reminder, the Bible commentators who make it their quest to carefully study and to learn about these prophecies and the coming events of the end times, they do often reach conclusions that differ from one another. I've said that often. I want to remind us of that because you may hear preachers preach some of these verses slightly differently. But thankfully, as a general rule, most of their differences are seldom of a significant nature. But one point that most Bible commentators seem to agree about involves the probable length of time that this tribulation period will last. That from the moment the rapture takes place and we believers are raptured off the earth until 
the very final moment in which the earth as we know it is completely destroyed will be a period of seven years. Seven years. And those conclusions are arrived at because of the oft-quoted time periods such as 1260 days, which is three and a half years, and 42 months, which is also three and a half years. With those time periods then added together, some being the first half of the tribulation and some being the second half of the tribulation, the two halves added together come up to this seven years. And again, although these words that we read here in this chapter are a kind of overall framework for most all that will take place during that seven-year period of the tribulation, some of the things mentioned here might already, and I believe are already, being put into place. They're already being put into place. We can see it with the events that are taking place. Here in these words, as Jesus begins to remove seal after seal of this scroll, the horrors of the soon coming end are carefully unveiled for us. Beginning here with the first verse, with the coming forth of what we have come to know as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. Books have been written about them. Movies have been made about them. Four powerful beings are sent forth by the angels of God to bring great and destructive misery to the whole earth. It's not known whether or not those four creatures are angels, good angels, evil angels, but it really doesn't matter. God has given each of them a mission. Let me read this for you. Jesus begins to break open each of these seals and seal one in verse one. I, John, saw when the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, broke one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, Come! I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. On this first horse is a powerful being who has a bow. That's a weapon of war. But you'll notice he has no arrows. This one is believed to be the Antichrist. This man who will rise to power in the world immediately following the rapture. And he will rise to power not by force of war, because recall he has no arrows for his bow, but he will rise to power by acclamation. He has a crown, it tells us here, that's been willingly given to him by the people of the earth. And it's people who are crying out for a leader to lead them, to save them from the starvation that they are beginning to experience. People who want to be protected against the evil that is rising in the earth. People who are willing to take his mark of the beast, the 666, and are willing to submit to his demonic control. And so, as verse 2 tells us, this Antichrist will be able to go on out about conquering many of the people of this world without a lot of force, without violence and war, because people want a leader to save them and to protect them. But eventually, the whole earth will come under his control. 
Then in verse 3, Jesus opens this second seal and a second horseman is called forth. Verse 3, When He broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come! And another, a red horse, went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth and that men would slay one another and a great sword was given to him. Now before the rapture takes place, and then perhaps for some time afterwards, as the Antichrist begins his rise to power. And may I say again, he may already be out there putting himself into place. But as he begins to rise to power, there will be this relative time of peace on the earth. I've been reminded of the, as I thought through this, of those peaceful days of the Reagan years. Very peaceful years. And then carrying on throughout most of the 90s. There were just a hundred days that we had the Gulf War. But other than that, there was a time of relative peace all through those years. But then came 9-11 and their attack on the Twin Towers, the terrorists. Peace was taken from us then. And I cannot remember a time of peace since. There is a sense of a loss of peace throughout all of our thoughts. That's what this second horse and rider is able to do. It says here to take peace from the earth. Now while that will certainly take place in a massive worldwide way later on in the tribulation as it begins to escalate, especially during the second half of the tribulation, but peace has already been removed from the earth. And death and destruction are becoming so commonplace And not only in the Mideast where it is most easily seen, but right here also, as we were talking earlier, the attack by the terrorists in the Fort Lauderdale airport. There really is very little peace on this earth right now. And it's getting worse. And you and I are beginning to be concerned about our own neighborhoods. We might say not too worried about it, but yes, we are. Yes, we are. That causes me to wonder if this second horseman might already be somehow laying the groundwork for his awful work. And as these words of prophecy tell us, a great sword is being wielded and just all throughout our world right now. Next, Jesus breaks open the third seal. Verse 5, When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come! And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius. Do not damage the oil and the wine. We've been saying throughout this study that after the rapture takes place, the whole world will be thrown into chaos. That business and commerce will be brought to a standstill. As Christians are taken out of key positions in all of these businesses and factories, everything's going to come to a sudden stop. And that will also involve our food supply and all the other necessities of life. They will quickly go into short supply. These scales 
that are mentioned here in verse 5. They give this indication that there will be food rationing and other kinds of measuring out of provisions. And you'll notice here that the money will lose its value. That's when the Antichrist will fully institute his mark of the 666 as the only means of buying and selling food and other provisions. I can't help but remember that line in the song that we sang a few weeks back, I wish we'd all been ready. One of the lines tells us, Children died, the days grew cold, a piece of bread would buy a bag of gold. I wish we had all been ready. Hunger and starvation will take place all over this earth without hope of improvement. Next year in verse 7, Jesus breaks open the fourth seal. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come! I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with famine, with pestilence, and by wild beasts of the earth. Folks, this is when violence will begin to escalate all over this earth. Most likely beginning in the latter part of the first half of that seven-year tribulation. Because it's our understanding that in the last half of the tribulation there will be such wars and tribulation and death like we've never known before. There will be outbreaks of wars all across our world. More than we've ever known. And I heard one commentator say that we'll not have all of these rules that we have now. The Geneva Convention that prescribes at least some form of pity for the losing side of a battle. There will be no such pity during these times. It will be violence like we've never understood before. And along with the wars, this particular horseman, he'll bring famine and starvation and plagues, diseases that will kill more people than the fighting will actually kill. Imagine the scale of death that's spoken about here. Over one-fourth of the world's population. One-fourth of the world's population being seven billion people. Between one and two billion people will die in a very, very short period of time. Can you imagine a billion people die in just a matter of two, three, four years? Verse 9, Jesus broke open the fifth seal. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the Word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they had been would be completed also. Now here we see this great number of people who will turn and give their hearts to Christ after the rapture takes place and during this tribulation period. 
But as they turn their hearts to Christ, many of them will be martyred. Now you recall that God called forth 144,000 from the tribes of Israel and they will become our world evangelists prophesying and preaching the gospel to those who are left behind after the rapture. And again, many, many people will turn and receive Christ. But listen, unfortunately, for many of those new converts, they will quickly die. And so you would say, well, why would they then, if they know that they're going to die, why would they turn their hearts to Christ? It's because... They're going to die anyway. And their eternity is being determined. If they give their hearts to Christ, they have an eternity in heaven. If they do not, then they've got an eternity in hell. And they will be forever with these demons that are making their life miserable right at that moment. And so yes, many, many will turn to Christ. And I confess that I've often pondered how I would respond if my family and I were faced with suffering like that. What would you do? What would you do when you see no options in front of you? I wondered, would I have the courage and the trust in Christ that would be necessary to go through that kind of awful suffering? I would really like to think so. I would really like to think so. And I have this confidence that with the Holy Spirit living in me, He will give me that strength at the moment. But listen, this is the reason why you and I should this very day, this very day, be crying out to anyone who would listen, especially our loved ones, for them to give their hearts to Christ now, before the rapture, so that they will not have to endure this suffering that we're reading about here. That they'll not have to go through this tribulation time. Do you have someone in your family that you need to be speaking to them about this and about the gospel? Yes, you do. We all do. Here in verse 12, Jesus opens the sixth seal. And this will be the last seal that I'll talk about today. Verse 12, I looked when he broke the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. And the whole moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up and every mountain and island were removed out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountain. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Now many of the Bible commentators that I've read have said of these events that this destruction will probably come from nuclear bombs and missiles, wars breaking out all over the earth, men against men, men killing men. And yes, that will take place. That will take place probably during this time. But I do want us to look at verse 16. 
And they, this is the kings and the other leaders of the earth, said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us. From whom? Not from those other nations, but from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So yes, again, death and destruction will probably begin with the wars of men against men. But here, the truth is clear. The worst of this devastation will come directly from the hand of God the Father and from the wrath of the Lamb. As unbelievable as it may sound, the stars really will actually break apart and fall upon the earth, causing devastation beyond anything that we can imagine. And according to these words here, the earth itself, the earth itself will begin to break apart and that will mark the beginning of the final end of this earth. Now, Lord willing, we'll pick back up at this point next week. For today, let's close again with these words that I just read from chapter 6. And they, the kings and the other leaders of the earth, said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come who is able to stand. Let's pray.